0: Hi, it's Maria here, and welcome to episode 11 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. My guest today is Ewan MacLeod. Ewan is one of Australia's and New Zealand's most significant artists. He's probably best known for his powerful and symbolic paintings which set figures in a landscape. He's won many art awards including the Archibald, Wynne, Sulman, Blake, Tattersall's and Gallipoli Art Prizes. He's had over 100 solo shows and been involved in over 200 group shows across Australia and internationally. We talk about how his work is much more than just portraying human figures in a landscape. He also shares information about his process and his technique and he talks about his experience of winning the Archibald in 1999. All the works we talk about are on the website talkingwithpainters.com Can we talk a bit about where you grew up and what sort of artistic influences you have at home?
1: No. <laughs> we. I grew up in Christchurch. I was born in Christchurch in New Zealand, um, and which everybody now knows of because of Through the Earthquake. Mm. Um, it's a very conservative city, it's very um, you know, white Mm. Anglo-Saxon. There wasn't even a lot of Polynesian people when when I was growing up. It was, uh, they were mainly more in the North Island. Mm. So very, very kind of white, very conservative, um, very, very English And very kind of uh, very yeah very limiting. Felt very claustrophobic actually.
0: Did did you feel like that then,
1: Um, or in? Well, you don't yeah you don't know do you? But yes, I did feel like that then. Um, I felt as if you were typecast right from the beginning. You know, so it's like you know uh, all your friends followed you through school and you were expected to be a certain way.
0: Like what sort of way? What do you mean? Well,
1: if you were. good at sport then you know that was okay you're encouraged in that if you were bad at sport then that you're always bad at sport you know it was very hard to to change change yourself everybody sort of went oh you're this they placed you they typecast you right from an early age
0: so what would so you if do? you
1: were a troublemaker say in in prima one or kindergarten or whatever it is you probably you'd be encouraged everybody would say oh he's watch out for him he's a troublemaker He's trouble, and you know, all the way through school, you'd be a troublemaker, and you probably, you probably become a troublemaker. You know, yeah. you go, "Oh, I'm a troublemaker." Yeah. That's what I am. Yeah, right. Um, uh, I was good at, I, I guess it worked for me, and that I was good at art. You know, supposedly I was, I could draw. Mm-hmm. I loved drawing.
0: So, were you typecast as like the arty kid?
1: Uh, I wouldn't yeah. say the arty kid. The arty kid sounds quite good. No, I was just <laughs> typecast as a kid that could draw. You know, um, I didn't realise that you know, there was some, some sort of benefits to come with that, that you're were, you were a bit arty and you could be a bit different. You couldn't be different. Anyone in Christchurch that was a bit different was um, shunned. It mm. was that kind of conservative yeah, type right. environment. Mm. So you get a lot of painters that um, didn't fit in with what was condoned. So they they wouldn't even try. That wouldn't even become part of their, um, they wouldn't even attempt to say, do produce paintings that someone might like. They'd just do stuff that they really liked. You know, and a lot, so there was a lot of really good art came out of Christchurch. A lot of music came out of Christchurch. Um, But I I certainly felt coming to Sydney in 1981 that there was a freedom incredible freedom in sydney at that time uh, and both artistically and personally that mm. you could do what you wanted
0: so when so just going back a step when you're at high school is that when you made the decision that you'd probably leave when when did you make the decision i think i
1: went through you know primary school and high school and everything just you know that's you just doing what you did as if there wasn't a choice I guess mm. at, at a certain stage, I probably thought, shit, there is a choice. Yeah. But right. while I was living at home and going through all that stuff, I think I just went through it. Mm. And um, at home,
0: did you, uh, what sort of, um, so you drew a lot when you were
1: a kid? Yes, I drew a lot, and that is how I expressed myself. Um, I was very painfully shy, I hated talking. Public speaking is um, was one of my greatest fears, mm. and it's kind of funny that, Nowadays, you're asked to explain your painting. You know what I mean. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you 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 sort of use a visual medium to express yourself, and then all of a sudden, people ask you to explain explain it.
0: It's do you find that it's more now than it used to be?
1: Oh what yes, totally. Yeah, there's a totally expectation now of the artist being a performer and um, singing for their supper. Mm. You know, if people are going to buy a work. Often, they like to have met the artist and um, almost, yeah, you almost feel like you're having to sell the work a little bit, yeah. whereas in the past it never felt like that.
0: So, so you went to, um, so you, what did you do after you left school?
1: Yeah, so I went to, I went to a graphic art course. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. My father, uh, taught at Polytech and said, oh, they've got a design course there. Why don't you go to that? So I thought, oh yeah, that'll do. Um...
0: So at um, that stage, you didn't you didn't want to start painting. I, or know, I never like knew that?
1: you could do that. I never knew yeah. you could be an artist. I mean, I knew you could paint, but in, in the weekends, my mum was a painter. She would be what you'd term a Sunday painter, um, and she'd paint in the weekends. And look, I think you know she's somebody that is uh, categorized in a way she doesn't deserve because I think your paintings are much much better than that. They deserve more than that. Um, but you know she she is an archetypical Sunday painter and that's when she'd paint in the, on Sundays mm. and uh, that's what I thought you could do so I thought you had to have a real job. Um, mm. I did I worked for a year after the graphic art course and then I knew that that wasn't f- really me mm. and um, I was always keen on painting and I didn't know that that was the only thing we didn't do at graphic art course was painting and I really did I really did want to have a go at painting. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I went back to art school. Right,
0: Um, and was that, did you like that? Did you enjoy it?
1: I really enjoyed it, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, that was probably the change from, or the the change to realising that that was your life, and that sure, you still had to work, but you, uh, my teacher at that time, I, I sort of was complaining about time and how difficult it was, and he said, eight hours to paint, eight hours to work, eight hours to sleep. And I thought, great, you know, there you go.
0: So what was the catalyst for coming to Australia?
1: Um, I moved up to Wellington, and that's where I met Susan. And she, after about a year, I think we both, well, she wasn't so keen on living in Wellington, and there was no way I wanted to go back to Christchurch. Uh, So we, at the time, incredibly easy for New Zealanders to go to Australia at that time, we could get off the off the aeroplane and, and boat and go on the dole. Then I got a real job and um,
0: Yeah, what I was just,
1: that? I worked at the Australian Museum. I got a job there which was an amazing place to work. Incredible. Really yeah, yeah, fantastic place to work. Well it's just um at that time especially it was just uh, it was You're working around the most beautiful things. It wasn't difficult work. It wasn't taxing. What was your job? It was as a preparator, so doing sort of displays, building displays. And at that time in Australia, it was just fun. I remember every Mm. every afternoon tea just turned into a kind of a party for somebody's (laughs) birthday or something or other. That changed pretty quickly. But at that time in the early '80s, it was very there was a freedom. It doesn't exist anymore, but and coming from a place like Christchurch, which is cold and miserable and grey, mm. to Sydney, which was just you know fun yeah. and flouncy and um, yeah. And the other, uh, I suppose, really positive thing that happened was that I um, I kept working when I came here. I was just working in the bedroom. I didn't even have a studio. Um, mm. I think somebody might have left left the share house we we're in, and I took over one of the rooms as a a, a studio. But um, I approached Waters Gallery and they gave me a show.
0: How did you get in, You know connections with Waters.
1: Well, I'd been over and I'd been to Sydney um, earlier and I'd been into the gallery for some reason and really liked it. There was something about the energy there that I really liked. And so I went back there. You know, it was we were living just round the corner in Palmer Street, um, oh, yeah. and I, I probably would pop in now and then and had a look. And I've I asked Frank if he'd look at my work, um, and he said that they fall full, as usual, they always say that, or they, you know, and they probably are, they're not taking anyone else on, but he had a look, and, and he was very positive and said, look, um, if someone pulls out, we'll give you a show, and I think after a, um, almost a year, he said, well, look, no, you know, I'll give you a show anyway next year,
0: and I read that it was a sellout, your first show.
1: It was pretty good. And it was also with, um, with Mental as Anything, with the band Mental as Anything. Oh, right. And it was just bigger than Ben-Hur. It was wow. phenomenal. Wow, I could um, imagine.
0: Because that would have been in their heyday, wouldn't
1: it? It was incredible, yeah. yeah. It was incredible. It was, um, And I just thought that's what it was like. I just thought, oh, yeah, you come to Australia <laughs> and you have a sellout show and all the celebrities come to your opening and there's thousands of people. and um, But, you know... Obviously, a lot of the success was to do with the fact of that you know that I I was on with them, and it was just a positive time, you know. Right. But yeah, the 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 second show I had at Waters Gallery, I think a year later, was a very different story, and I never sold one single thing. Uh, It was actually interesting. It's actually interesting to have had, you know, to have both experiences are interesting.
0: Did you feel despondent as a result, and did it make you want to give up painting, or what?
1: Yeah, but the funny thing is, I felt really, really despondent after the first show. Um, and I kind of realised, and now I look back on it and I talk to a lot of other artists and realise that's just what it is after a show. Mm. That you, you know, call it the black hole, most people call it the black hole, and you just, after a show, you get very depressed. And it doesn't matter if you sell, sell well or don't sell anything or... Um, what do
0: you reckon that is about?
1: It, it's to do, I think it's a lot of it's to do with the, the amount of work and the focus and you, you, um, everything's about what might happen at this exhibition. Um, a bit like when you're a kid and you've got a birthday party mm-hmm. and you're thinking of all these amazing presents you're going to get. and mm-hmm. Of course, the reality is never the same as the fantasy.
0: So even if it's a selling even
1: even if amazing yeah. things happen, I remember Susan coming, coming back, and she said, "Oh, you sold another painting," and I went, ooh, mm, and I was sort of, you know, lying in bed, kind of feeling miserable yeah, and very amazing. strange. And when I didn't sell anything on that second show, I think the thing that worried me was that Waters wouldn't show me anymore. Mm. Um, but Frank was lovely and said, "Oh, you know, that's nothing to do with selling. We don't, you know, we don't take any notice of selling." So that was a lovely thing. So yeah. that was, you know, so actually it's a bit of a lesson in reality, I think. Mm. I never feel that I've done enough painting. I always feel like I should be doing... Well, Not it's not that I've done enough. It's not never done... You know, you, you search... It's like surfers talk about the perfect wave. I think you're always wanting the perfect painting. And I'm sure if you ever did what you what you thought was the perfect painting, you'd just want to repeat it. You'd want to do it again. So you're... You, continually searching to do it better and mm. to say something more or you, you know you just want you want it, there's a sort of a slight sense of anxiety about not it not being enough mm. or not being good enough. And, and I've thought about that a lot and I think it's very important to have that mm. to to feel slightly um, I think if you thought everything you did was wonderful and amazing. Um, you'd never push yourself any further. You'd mm. never go you'd never try hard. You'd never try and, to do it any harder. Um but also just to make it exciting for yourself to to Yeah, well to, actually to make it engaging. Talking about
0: making it exciting, um, you've been to lots of great locations.
1: Yeah. Um
0: including Antarctica, Central Australia, New Zealand. What is it about like when you when you go to a new place, like say you went to Antarctica You've got this huge expanse of the landscape in front of you. How, how do you sort of get a focal point or sort of decide where you're going to limit it to?
1: It's um, a good question because some of the time I, I think you are overwhelmed with choice. But more than that, you are, um, it's like you're trying to find the perfect composition. And that's a really difficult one because you, you you know you have this frustrating thing where you're thinking oh no no not that one no no what what about oh no that that's not quite right and what yeah. about there, and so sometimes I just make a conscious deci- decision to make it about logistics, so you choose a spot to paint that where you feel comfortable or where you're in the shade or you're um, not in the wind or. Um, where there's a nice seat, you know, like often if you if a picnic table, not too many of them in Antarctica, but um, <laughs> in Antarctica, you know, often you would, you'd look for somewhere. If I was on the land, yeah. I'd look for somewhere where I could physically paint, uh, you know, like a big rock or a, um, where I could sort of stand up, and it was like a table type, table type rock, or mm. um, but if I get a choice, I'll generally look around, and something will catch my attention
0: so will it be like an unusual feature
1: well i think i think it's more there's there's a um a deeper reason than that and i think for all of the different places that i've been i think it's something you're looking for internally that's something that matches up internally it's um uh almost almost a kind of something that resonates with don't know what it would be, maybe some emotional space or state or a, a, an internal landscape of some kind, and you, it kind of resonates with you, so you, you, you do, I do sort of look for certain landscapes, and I probably do like to go to certain landscapes, but, a, a, you know, you every now and like then I'll go somewhere, and someone will say, hey, do you want to go to France as a residency in France? And you don't say, oh no, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I normally go, yeah, I'd like that. But you know, I did go there, and I, I, I did did a residency in France, and I went there twice. And um, the first time, I really liked it. The second time, I found it a little bit dull, and I, and I mm. couldn't, you know, I couldn't really justify going again. Mm. But you know, the first, the first two times, I got quite a lot out of it, and I really enjoyed it. But it never found a way. I never found a way to kind of integrate it into the canvases, the studio-based work. So most of the works I did in France were just... Why is that? Um, Because I don't think it was my kind of landscape, whereas the Antarctic works, you know, I mean, man, you know, I, I dined out on them and I'd love to go back. Mm. The only reason I stopped, well, one of the main reasons I stopped really was because... I think after a while you lose touch with the place and you're starting to stylize and um yeah. you know I I'd, I'd be painting the sea and I'd always paint it the way I'd painted it when I was there you know I mean Yeah the, right um uh, it's interesting that I went with a I went with a friend who's also a painter and um at one stage we were going down this channel of water and on one side it was beautiful sunlight and on the other it was a gray dark ominous kind of cloud I mean it's quite phenomenal Mm -hmm. that that it was like that and of course he loved the bright sunlight and all the reflections I loved all the grey ominous dark stuff Um. and I mean you know that in a nutshell tells you that uh, I don't know part of my personality is looking for the dark why is that who knows
0: we were talking before about your trip to China Mm, Um, yeah and we were looking at some amazing paintings you did on plein air there where did you go exactly in China?
1: So it's Huangshan and it's a yellow mountain um, and it really is quite a phenomenal place. Um, it's pretty much the archetypical kind of Chinese landscape that you see with all the misty, the misty bottom and mm. these mountain tops poking out with the trees all over them. That You know, that's pretty much probably was where a lot of those paintings were painted you know and it it was it is incredible very
0: dramatic every
1: now and then you pinch yourself and think shit am I really here you know am I really here that this is phenomenal Uh, and it was amazing and and there's all these funny little paths that have been cut into the rock and built out from the rock and little tunnels um, paths everywhere just paths everywhere
0: and you were telling me earlier too that you set up did you say with a table? Yes, yeah. I take a little
1: yeah. aluminium table, fold up table. Just I used to kneel, um, kneel down, but I find just taking a little fold up table. It's it's reasonably light, and yeah. it's just that, and it just saves you back.
0: And do you and you just flat on the table, so you don't have a table easel or anything.
1: No, I have to work flat just because of the way I use the paint. I use it very very watery. Oh, okay. So if yeah. it, if it's on Even a slight angle, it tends to run. Yeah. And then you try and find a place which is in the shade. Um, You try and find a place. There's all sorts of factors. You try and find a place that's not too public. Yeah. But it's not always possible. Well, not in China. Not always possible, no. And in China it was very, very hard. And they do see you. They don't don't have any sense of personal space. So if they see you there and you're painting there, they're onto you. You know, they're right up. (laughs) And they come right up close, really close. Not, you know, in fact, they'll be so close that I couldn't move my hand. I'd have to sort of like gesture them away. Well, they'd know they're right up on you. One guy asked me. He was a tour group. He was the leader of a tour group, and he said, he said, oh, um, is that the people want to know is that finished? And I said yes, and he said, well, we we can't like that because. um, we can't like that because of imagination or something or other. You know, you. I was thinking, I was feeling. Can't say much to that. No, no, no. You just you, you, you get you actually you get some hilarious people. You get people saying hilarious stuff, and I don't like it. I don't actually like people watching me paint. I really, I find mm. I get become quite self conscious. Mm. Um, but it's just one of those things, that you just have to put up with it. So, since so since getting back, I'm thinking about that landscape. And I kind of loved the labyrinth quality of it. Um, uh, these mm. amazing paths going all over the place, you know, going right up and going right down, and mm. the mist, and there was various factors that I love about it. So and, when, and so when I got back, it's the, I thought of being a little bit more um, open about the landscape. So it's not specifically Yellow Mountain anymore. It's more, as I was saying, I suppose it's more about an internal kind of place, Mm. you know, like a maze.
0: Mm. Um, Do you think that when you talk about the internal place, do you think that's linked with memory? Oh,
1: totally. Yeah, I'm sure it's to do with a lot of different things. Um, I mean, it's always interesting to me at art school, you know, when you have a whole lot of students and they all paint the same thing and they all think it's going to look the same. And of course, they all look totally different. Yeah. And you realise, and they realise, that um, everybody sees things differently. They yeah. all are attracted to different things. Mm. Now, why are we attracted to certain things and not other things? I'm not sure.
0: Well, actually, one thing we haven't talked about yet is one of the things that you're very well known for, and that is the figure
1: in the mm, landscape. Mm, mm. Yeah, and that's probably the the figures. the other thing that probably pops in back in the studio. And that's one of the things that um look actually uh, when i'm painting on plein air i love to set up where there's people and i love to you know you try and find a place where either people are walking past doing something similar so it's repeat you know you're almost getting any figure you paint is a composite of you know 300 people walking past or Mm -hmm. it's a place where people stand for a while Right. A lot of the on-plane-air stuff doesn't have figures in it, but if a figure walks through while I'm painting, it's almost like I can't not put it yeah, in. Yeah, right. It, it, so it you... just seems to make so much sense to have it there, and a, and, a, and it's a little bit like the same with trees. I sort of leave them out in, in the same way. They kind of just disappear. But but definitely the figure figure comes in, and the figure to me makes sense of the landscape. I don't see myself as a landscape painter, Per se, I, you know, um, people would say your figure in the landscape and that mm. sort of defines you in a slightly different way. Um, and it's really important for me. That yeah. figure is, is, the interaction between the landscape and the figure is really important.
0: B, would you do, so do sketches? Is that how you would start?
1: I may do it um, based on, uh, it's. I may get some of those on-plane-air sketches and work those up. Maybe just pure memory. Mm. Um, there's all okay. sorts of ways of starting, um, and, would you, and and okay. that's and that is generally when the figure starts coming in, gets in there. It, it starts. I start putting the figure in, um, and that might be based on um, just imagination. I mean that one uh, that you were looking in there, the large one with the huge big figure on the right, looking down on the little figure on the left. Yeah. I mean that that's based on. The idea of where we were—we were up on a big rock, looking down on these people—and I kind of liked the idea of the scale of it, and the figure itself, the big figure up the top, uh, looks a bit like my father. Um, right. the, his the posture and everything mm. looks a bit like me too.
0: Have um, you? And you've used that in a lot of paintings. Mm, yeah. yeah.
1: It also. It also that one reminds me of a. Um, I saw this sculpture. Once, when I was working at the museum, and there was this amazing wooden sculpture, it was an Amauri sculpture that um, there was something about it, it was very powerful. And in the back of the neck, the figure, the head was forward, and the back of the neck was all the grain of the wood that was coming up through here. And and, Mm -hmm. uh, the chap. There was one of the guys there said, "No, it's evil. We wouldn't photograph it." And so it said it was an evil, it was something evil about it. But yeah, I don't know, and I don't know why. But that keeps coming back in yeah. the work. So certain things, certain little memories. You mentioned memories before, and I think that's right. Uh, and things resonate. You know, things feel right. So you're painting the you're painting the figure, and you're painting the mountains, and um, uh, sometimes they just feel okay. And other mm. times they don't, you know, there's something wrong with that. Mm. Part of it is compositional things, you mm. know, just, just painting, uh, picture making, I guess. But other, other parts are emotional things.
0: Do you ever leave paintings aside for for a while and then come back to them?
1: Always, yeah, oh. always. That's what I'm always doing. And in actual fact, I mean, we were looking at all those works before, the Chinese works. Mm. Um I may still work on a lot of the, even the studies, I may look at them and think, oh, no, that's not right. That could be, you know, I could make that a bit better. And it's often felt with my paintings that it's like a, a sort of a siege mentality where I'm fighting with them. You know, I'm really fighting and, and they're really fighting back. They don't want to, they don't want to work out. You know, in, it's,
0: in what way, what do you mean? Do you um, mean-
1: you- I mean, you're kind of painting them and painting them and you think, oh, they, it's going okay, it's going okay. And then you walk out the studio and you come back and you go, oh, yuck, it's bloody awful. (laughs) And so then you work away and work it away and you beat it up and you think, oh, now I'm getting somewhere. And then you come back, oh, it's awful, but But not as awful. (laughs) And then you come back, you know, the next day and you're sort of gradually, you know, smacking them up. And and it, it does feel like a fight. I watched a video of myself painting and I didn't actually realise it, but I, it it's like I'm stabbing the canvas, not like I'm, not nice, beautiful brush marks, that's for sure. Stabbing. So,
0: the, so the, your brush strokes are fast?
1: Yeah, fast and, and, and I suppose you could say decisive, but they're not really decisive in that you know, it's like I wouldn't just stab it once in the right place. I'll, you know, if I was going to do a murder, I'd probably be one of those frenzied killers that, <laughs> you know, stabs the, stabs the person 50 times rather than just one nice clean strike to the heart. Yeah. I mean... Some people can just make one mark and it's beautiful. You know, it's a really beautiful, profound mark. You know, I was looking at a lot of the Chinese brush paintings, which is literally, you know, one big brush mark, and you know, mm. they're, they're beautiful, profound. But you know, for me, I'm just not. There's no way I can do that. No. You know. Uh, and is it?
0: Do you look at it, at the figure as a mass, as one mass, or would you look at it anatomically? I think
1: I'm looking, trying to get a sense, and it's the same with the landscape, trying to get a sense beyond the 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 mere appearances of a thing, trying to get a sense of the weight and the movement. Yeah. And the, and the fact that it's a li- the living things rather than, um you know, that they're moving, living things. And I kind of love the idea, and this is the thing with On Plain Air, that the person's there and then they're not there. So a lot of people will say, oh, they look like ghosts. Well... Mm. Um, landscape is populated by our memories of a place. You know, often we go somewhere and we remember ourselves being there. We remember our and you know somebody else being there with us, and and they're still kind of there, but they're not there, of course. They're not there at all. Mm. Um, and to me, that seems incredibly important when looking at the landscape. So you're looking at the landscape through um, our of intervention of it i think or our, our the memory of it right. you know so often it, it feels like i'm painting a place and painting myself in it so i mean you know i might be on in lake tiana painting this family and um it's based on another family but if, of course you're putting yourself in it to a certain extent you're mm-hmm. making it into um turning it into something that you kind of know i'm yeah. not i'm it's hard to it's hard to describe because it is very intuitive and and i don't know that you need to understand it. It's a little bit like the paintings themselves tell a story. They kind of have a narrative, but it's not a na- it's not a narrative that you need to that needs to be told. And it's actually better if it is like that. Yeah. So somebody would would you know? I'm sure everybody could come up with a story, but mm-hmm. is that what I intended? No, probably mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in actual fact, people have told me that right from an early yeah. time. They'll say, "Oh." I can see that that painting's about this and this and this and you think, no, no not for me, it is for you. And it's, it's important that you see that, that the person sees that, rather than it being my story, it's their story. Yeah, exactly. Because ultimately, that is what you're wanting people to do, is to put themselves into that, um, into that painting. You
0: taught at the National Art School for, for a few years what a day a week i think it was
1: wasn't it yes was just it? a day a week yeah so it was actually very nice it was a yeah. lovely it was a lovely experience and i guess the the main thing i learned was that you kind of learn as well i mean that's the other mm. thing you learn things about yourself and that you often were like like human nature, you often see fault in other people. It's really, really yourself. And and if you if you're honest enough, you'll be telling the student you should do this and you should do that. And then you think, actually, I don't do that. I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually kind of good, really. I certainly think the people that are gonna the, the people that are gonna make it are the ones that have got the tenacity and the desire and the drive that they're really pushing themselves and um I mean the the frustrating thing um with any uh, you know it would be any art school course is there's so much to teach so much to get through mm. so little time uh, yeah. and you'd have students that would say um or you know we we're not getting you know we're not getting taught um, uh, anatomy say and and you'd sort of think well you know to really get a, a grasp on anatomy, you have to learn it you know, you have to study it bloody hard yeah. for three or four years. Yes. And so yeah. there was this idea from students that you kind of, you know, one lesson and you'd have it, you
0: know. Right. I remember a woman yeah. said
1: to me one time, she said, Oh, teach me about colour. I want to know about colour and I said, Well, <laughs> you know, it's a pretty complicated subject and there's a fantastic book and she said, no, you teach me. I don't want to read a book. Oh, God. and you kind of think, well, what am I supposed to say in fifteen seconds It's going to yeah, make her exactly. understand color? You know, but
0: and also, as you say about learning about color, I think it's a lifetime
1: Absolutely, quest. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and you just yeah. pick
0: up little things here and there. You know, I think that's I think that's one of the things with painting. You might pick up something that you saw in a painting that you liked. And you think, oh, I'll try that or something, you know, and it's just a, it's a, it's a build-up of that sort of thing. Do you think? Well,
1: I think, yeah, and I think the, the thing you're trying to get students to understand is that, is literally that, that it's not something that they're going to get immediately and it's not something that you're going to teach them. It's equipping them so they can find the answers yeah, themselves and out, they know yeah. what they want to know. And, yeah. um, you know, you, you, it seems to me you're trying to get them to find their way of expressing themselves.
0: Um, can we talk about um, your Archibald win? Because I noticed that uh, before you won the Archibald, you were finalist in a few art competitions, but it seemed to be the first pri- art prize you won. Is that yep, right?
1: It is the first art prize I ever won. <laughs> yep, that's true.
0: <laughs> that's a major prize to win as your I, first art yeah, prize. Yeah,
1: and I prided myself on, on never winning prizes, so we said that.
0: Right, no, it's kind of funny. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, um, just for the um, podcast, it's, it's a self-port. It's called self-portrait head like a hole. Um, and it's obviously a self-portrait. Nineteen
1: ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine.
0: That's yeah. right. Uh, um, how, how, what was that experience like?
1: Um, yeah, it's pretty, um, yeah, pretty weird experience. And and yeah, look, the painting again came up in that I was doing a painting. It wasn't actually done for the Archibald. Oh, okay. I was just do. I was doing it. Um, doing this painting, and then I kind of thought, oh, actually, that would be quite good for the Archibald, and I thought that it might have a chance of getting hung because it was a bit wacky. I had entered the Archibald, I think, twice before, um, but not sort of seriously, and this one I just thought, oh, look, you know, it's a bit of a throwaway um, you know, put it in, you, you never know, someone someone might think it's funny enough to, to hang. And that year they were looking for a painting. That's what they were looking for. Um, How do you know? One of the trustees, I found out later, that one of the trustees was saying, we want to give it to a painting, not a portrait. Just trying to push the parameters of what the Archibald Prize was. So okay. they were kind of looking at, um, and, and, you know, the difference... A, a portrait can be a good painting and a good painting can be a portrait and all that. But sometimes uh, there is a difference. I can understand what they were saying mm. and just luckily mine fulfilled the, um, the brief.
0: Mm. Were you surprised at one?
1: I was really surprised. I was, ab- I was absolutely shocked at one. I had no concept that um, I kind of thought... I didn't push any of the buttons for winning I mean I hadn't been in it before um, what does gallery generally hate heart prizes and and certainly don't pander to that kind of thing like some galleries do they make sure you know they, yeah. uh, I, I, the, so I, it... I guess I had I had a lot of misguided ideas of how it worked and I and I actually was wrong um, I think sometimes the trustees just kind of judge something they like. And, you know, they're all, you know, they, they'll just say, nah, we don't, we're not going to, I don't care if that one should win it, this one's going to win it. And yeah. a lot of people are critical of that. A lot of people um, say, oh, you know, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't, you know, wouldn't know a good painting if they fell over it. There's a, a lot of harsh criticism of it. But look, the whole system kind of works. And I've got to say for, the, for it that um, they're their own people you know, the, the, there's nothing like a kind of competition that's not really a competition where it's rigged, you know, where it's basically, yeah. you know who the judge is going to pick. Um, mm. You know, the, the, the judge is chosen because the judge likes that work. And that's, you know, so it's a, it's a sort of a competition, but it's not really a competition. So the Archibald, I, I think, has qualities that I admire. Mm. Um, but it because of its um, status and because of the fact that, the public feel they have a part in it all and are asked to have a part in it, uh, it becomes very hard for the artist because they um, there's a lot of criticism of the winner, terrible criticism, and it's um, mm. pretty harsh and it's pretty personal and it's pretty nasty. Yeah. And, um, you Did know, you quite vicious. That? Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't, you know, I don't like having people saying nasty things about my work at the best of time, but mm. this was you know sort of on national tv and um and i've kind of realized that everybody comes in for that to a certain extent some people get less of it um mm. but and some people get more of it well some
0: people think the more controversial it is the better
1: and it, there is an encouragement to make it controversial mm. because they know um that that you know you gets get publicity, publicity. Yep, and yep, yep. and
0: so you found it very un- uncomfortable. Um, sort of I did, I experience. did, I did. And
1: I've got two photos, um, one of me after I won the prize where I'm sort of looking totally shocked and one the year when uh, the next person won it and I'm just looking like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders. <laughs> but, you know, look, the Archibald Prize, the, the benefit of it is that it involves the public and whatever can involve the public is so fantastic.
0: yeah. So at the moment you've got a show um, which is touring New Zealand and it's called Ewan McLeod Painter and that's been um, travelling around for a while um, which is a good reason to go to New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: it's a good reason I'm going to New Zealand. Yeah, so this year I've already been about four or five times and I've got another, I'm going once more this year. Um, This has been a big year and a couple Mm. of times the year before. So I gave an undertaking to go to every venue and talk at every venue, which I thought sounded like a lovely idea at the time. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot
0: of travelling. It's a
1: lot of travelling. Yeah. It's only look. It's a you know, it's week, not
0: that far. It's is not it? It?
1: that far. Yeah, I can yeah, I can yeah. do my bit for New Zealand tourism and say three hours and you're there. Well, it's, it's it pretty is. quick. I yeah, mean,
0: and you know what? I think your show would be a good reason to go for a trip. Thank I, you. Yeah, Thank definitely. You. Yeah. Um, and you've got a show at the moment on at Waters Gallery. Um, which works on paper and you're working towards um, a Hong Kong show next year. So it's all happening.
1: Yes, it's I do feel a bit overwhelmed, over over um, overworked and overwhelmed. <laughs> but yeah. But look at the old the alternative's worse. You know, not not having anything on that'd be pretty horrible. I don't Well,
0: that's true. And also I'm gonna put some um... Uh, images online of your work in progress too for, yeah. for that show next year which is really really exciting so ewan thank you so much for this interview i've enjoyed myself so much
1: thank you maria and no, me luck. too.
0: thanks for listening to this episode by the way the show that we mentioned that's touring new zealand is actually a major survey of ewan's work spanning over 30 years so get to it if you can And just a reminder that you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And you can even leave a review on iTunes, um, which would help getting getting the show out there so that people around the world can hear more about Australian artists. Hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters.